It's good to be home. Sorry I've been gone so long. I brought some gifts to you guys uh, out on the table. So there's some miscellaneous ones, individual copies. They're free for the taking. No stampede, please, after the meeting. But, um, but these two I brought. Whoever doesn't have the Life of Conrad Merle or Leonard Ravenhill, if you don't have this as a family or a single person, I want to give you one. So grab one. And Autographs are $100, so don't ask me to sign it. Um, but if you want to buy one of these for, your, for a gift, they're like 50% off, 20 bucks. So one for you is free. If you want to buy any for a gift, just they're there for the taking. So I want to share tonight from the Song of Solomon, chapter 5. Two of the men in our church in Denton, by the way, the saints in Denton send you their greeting. Uh, we'd love for any of you to come south. Now that the heat's gone, come on down anytime. So they send their greetings to you. Linda does as well. Our 10th grandchild is due this next week, so she's sticking by the stuff and it's going to be needed. So. I want to speak to you tonight, heart to heart, about Christ's love for you and your love for Him. Presently, fresh, present love. One verse in Song of Solomon, verse 1 of chapter 5. So I'll read it. You follow Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 1. This verse is pregnant with riches with spiritual delight, with communion, with Christ. So just soak it in and see here uh, the Lord's announcement, His, His invitation, and what He invites us to do. All right? Chapter 5, verse 1. The, the bridegroom, the lover, is saying in this verse, I have come to my garden." my sister, my spouse, I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have, I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Then he says, Eat, O friends. Drink. Yes, drink deeply, O beloved ones. Now the Song of Solomon reflects the love of Christ for His people, both corporately and in one-on-one. It is a book of, of spiritual intercourse, spiritual communion, spiritual relational fellowship that is to be living, that is to be vital, that is to be mystical, in a true sense of the word, experiential. Uh, you know, one of the greatest revivals that ever happened in history was in 1904, 1905 in, in Wales. And the words of a, 
of a hymn, a hymn rather, that speaks about the love of Christ became the theme of that Welch revival. And the, the hymn is titled, Here is Love. I don't know if it's in the Redemption hymnal or not, but here's the first stanza. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as a flood. When the Prince of Life, our ransom, shed for us His precious blood, who His love will not remember, who can cease to sing His praise, He can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. So the the theme of the Welsh Revival became the love of Christ. And the Spirit of God swept across that small country and they estimate in those 24 months based on people who were unchurched that became faithful church members that over 100,000 people came to Christ. And love was the theme, the love of Christ. Well, the love of Christ is the theme of the Song of Solomon. I just finished reading it again. And it's one of the hardest books in a way to interpret. And you have to kind of just camp out and meditate and chew and, and fumigate. may not be a, bad, a right word, but <laughs> uh, meditate, uh, salivate, uh, chew on it, and just just soak it in. And it, it's a slow process because you got to see when the bridegroom is speaking and when the spouse is speaking, right? Come in, you pillars of the church. I'm going to wait on y'all. The Song of Solomon is a love song. And really it's about refreshed love, maintained love. It's about a a revival of love in one sense. So tonight, I just want to ask you, and I hope to be brief, uh, I want to ask you, how is your love relationship with the Lord Jesus currently? Be honest with yourself. Isn't it so easy to let it wane? It's so easy to start going through the motions and lose the heart, lose the freshness. This book is a, is a sacred romance, but not about two earthly people. It's a heavenly redemptive romance. And when we read the first four chapters of it, it's obvious who those two lovers are. The bridegroom and the bride, his beloved. The great lover and the one who is loved and pursued the altogether lovely one and you and me the unlovely but greatly loved ones the pursuer and the pursued the extravagant lover the Lord Jesus and the inconsistent and slow responders to that love us so the song of Solomon you know, is about Christ and His bride, Christ and the church. And it is a sacred romance because it shows us heavenly love that initiates and 
loved us from eternity, that came from heaven to pursue us and initiated uh, this relationship. And that it's always by the Holy Spirit through the Scriptures and through our prayer time and our relationship with Christ. That love is always pursuing us. It's always toward us. It is always available. It's love that's welcoming and inviting. It's love that wants to be experienced by Him from us. It's love that tells us, I'm here, I've come, I'm available, and I'm waiting. Unless we think that it's wrong to say Jesus is waiting, what does Revelation 3.20 say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will what? Come in. We got a, we got a responsibility in this. We have a response to this love that we're, we're to do. That's the language here. Love that tells us I'm here, I've come, I'm in pursuit of fresh loving communion with you. Now we're just in verse 1. So who is invited here, if you notice? It's friends and beloved ones. And you know, that's, that's each of us, if we're a believer. If we have come to know and love the Lord Jesus... That's us. We're, we're included. Christ has said, Henceforth I call you not servants, but what? Friends. Do you really believe Christ views you as His intimate friend? If you don't, that's part of, that's part of your problem. We don't believe these things enough. And therefore we don't appropriate them. Jesus said, uh, blessed are you who have, who have not seen, but believed. So, I want us to notice three simple things tonight. In this one verse, there's an announcement here from Christ. There's a loving invitation here from Christ. And then, these words, eat and drink. What does that mean? An announcement an invitation, and what it means to eat and drink. Verse 1, his lo- first, His loving announcement. Look at it. I have come to my garden, my sister, my spouse. We're in Song of Solomon 5.1. Now this is the lover, the bridegroom, speaking to her. I've come to my garden. It's an announcement. I've come to my garden my sister, my spouse, and look what I've gathered. All this extravagant, rich, dainties, delights, um, spices, and the best milk, and the finest of wine. These are what I'm partaking of here. What was he saying this? He's announcing to her. He's calling her to let her know, I'm here and I've got communion stuff, I've got fellowship, I've got stuff to partake of, that if you'll come and drink and eat and partake of, it's going to be extravagantly wonderful. He's the inviter. 
He's come and he lets her know that he's available. That's the announcement. Why? Because the bridegroom is never satisfied in our relationship with him to partake alone. He wants real ongoing fellowship with you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he he wants to be in that with you? Love satisfied is love shared. And love shared is love satisfied. And the Bible says he delights in his love toward us. In fact, John 17, if it wasn't in the Bible, we wouldn't believe it. The Lord Jesus prayed about uh, the Father loving us with the same love He loves His Son with. Do you believe that? This is the lover's deeply warm and personal announcement to us. You know, every morning, if you wake up and you get your Bible, and you settle in alone, would it be good to begin to view it this way? The lover of your soul is there with you, and His words are open before you, and He wants intimate, loving communion. That's what He wants. And he, giving us the Bible, He says, partake of it. That's his, every time you open the Bible, it is His announcement to commune with you. Brethren, we have to stay fresh in these things and not get in a funk, not get in a a soul sleep, not, not be sluggish and sleepy, but we must awake ourselves to this love. And the bridegroom is always saying, Awake, my beloved, isn't he? So, first thing, his announcement. I'm in the garden. Come on. Christ's love is always saying to you and me, come on, I'm here for the partaking. Come, come, eat and drink. We're going to get to that in a moment. He was always announcing and He always is. Did not the Lord Jesus, when He came into this world, come announcing all the time? He said, I'm the light of the world. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I'm the living water. He was always announcing, wasn't He? And that announcement to sinners, to everyone was, I'm here for the taking. He was always announcing. And and what He wants all to know concerning Himself... He said it at the end of His ministry when they were trying to accuse Him, trying to arrest Him. He said at one point, you all know what I've said. I've spoken plainly in the temple. He was always announcing. It was crystal clear. So what more tonight and in our daily journey, in our, in our walk with the Lord, what more can He say to you about His love for you than what He's already said. 
What more can you say about His mercy, about His availability, about His desire toward you? Do you believe His love is truly set toward you with with passion and warmth? Do we believe His continual offers of grace and mercy and fellowship? That He's not estranged from us. That He's not distant and gone. That He's intimately there longing for fellowship with us. His announcement is clear and stunning. Here I am. Will you come and partake of me relationally? You know, more and more as I read the Bible, that's kind of just what I'm trying to get out of it. I open it and Christ is there with me and I believe it because He's promised it. And I practice His presence. And I'll say, okay, Lord, here I am in Your presence. Spread a table. I want to I read and feed and feast. And I want to experience You. And inevitably, I'll just get some good morsels, some, some good manna. I got some this morning. I read the, pro, the chapter in Proverbs of the day of the month. This morning, chapter 10 came alive and I just feasted on it. So, do we feast on Christ in His Word? And do we feast on Him and enjoy His love for us with His presence with us? He and His announcement here is a call for love. I've come to my garden. There's spices and honey and wine and the finest of the milk and it's all good, it's all available, and it's all for you. That's His loving announcement. Second thing, there is His loving invitation. You know, there's a difference between an announcement and an invitation, right? Having a dinner party... Thursday night, 7 o'clock, that's an announcement. You're invited, that's an invitation. Around 2009, my, my, my family, we used to go to North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, to the beach for a week. It's a long drive, 20 hours. So we'd break it up, you know, we'd break it up. We'd stop in Atlanta with friends, and and then... Sunday morning we would get up and drive to Columbia, South Carolina and we'd worship. A friend of mine pastored First Presbyterian Church there so we'd get to worship. One, one day he told me, we talked on Saturday, he said, okay, meet me down front because you're going to go to lunch with us after church. So I said, fine. We met him, followed him. Well, they drove out to the, to the exclusive fancy uh, Columbia Country Club for lunch, for the brunch. We walk in and there was, there was a buffet that was probably 60 feet long. And we began to look. The finest of meats. Fresh, unbelievable salmon. Steak and and finest of meats. Then you come to the casseroles and the vegetables and the salads. I've never seen anything like it. And then you come to the dessert table. And then you come to the drink table. Fine coffee, juices, and 
It was unbelievable. My kids were just like... And so I thought, I foolishly, I think I thought to myself when I was sitting at the table, I hope we're not, I hope this isn't Dutch. <laughs> this will, we'll have to pay and go home. We won't have any money for the week. No. It was a gracious invitation. The pastor, John DeWitt, was a close friend of Martin Lloyd-Jones. And we sat there over this feast and he, he told Lloyd-Jones stories. And then it was all a gift to us. And um, but I'm telling you what, that is like stale leftovers to what Christ wants us to experience with Him regularly. His presence. His love. His promises. His tenderness. His encouragements when you're discouraged. His presence when you're lonely. His strength and His courage when you're afraid. Christ sets a feast before us and He invites us and says, this is for you. Come. Come. The final thing is simply this. What does He want us to do? It's, it's in the verse. Notice, notice what it says in the verse. Come, friends, and eat. The first, there's two words of action here, and the first is the word eat. Come and eat. Partake of me, in other words. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever eats my flesh, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, you have no part of me. This is a living partaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's union with Him, and it's living experiential communion with Him. Pouring your love on Him, and receiving freely with, without any hesitation His full love for you and believing it. First John says, we know and we believe the love God has for us. Do you really know and believe the love Christ has for you? Or are you always doubting it? That's part of your problem if you don't have intimacy with Christ. Unbelief robs us of the promises. Negligence of the promises robs us of intimacy. Come, eat. In other words, be satisfied with me as your food and feast. Because whenever Christ is present, and if you're a believer, He's present with you always, and He's present in you in real Union and communion. Whenever Christ is present, there is a feast to be partaken of. So why would you eat a cracker and a couple of grapes? Why would you dabble when you can feast on Him? The lover here in the Song of Songs wants to eat with and commune with us in His love. And He just says, come and eat.
Another place says, come eat without money, without price. Right? All you got to bring is your heart and your desire and your hunger. Just come. Just come. So why do we hold back? Why do we hesitate? Why some days do we never pause to come and feast on Him? What, what an invitation. Come and eat. Secondly, it says, notice it, it says, drink. Yes, drink deeply. That means copious amounts. Any of you young people in school, college age and younger, what does copious mean? Come on. Large. Big. Drink deeply. Drink big. Huge amounts. Gorge yourself. He says, drink deeply. We need to drink deep dive in the glories of who Christ is and what He is to us. and What He wants to be more to us. But we don't drink deeply. Sometimes, I'm afraid, we don't even take many sips at all on a given day. If you neglect your communion with Christ, your soul will be shriveled. You'll be empty. You'll struggle. You'll feel sad. You'll feel weak. You'll doubt. You won't battle sin well. The entire key to the Christian life is abiding in Him. Feasting on the riches that are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why does the text use these verbs, eat and drink? Why does Jesus use the same picture when He offers Himself as a source of food and drink? Because to eat and to drink is to partake of Him, to experience Him. It is to make Christ our very life daily, more than our marriage, more than our family, more than our job, more than any earthly thing to make Christ our daily life. It is eating His flesh and drinking His blood. It is experiencing Him as our very spiritual life. It is relational union of you knowing Christ and experiencing Him. Eating and drinking is not reading the menu. It's not going to a conference or going to Turkey Hill. That's not eating and drinking. Eating and drinking is partaking of Christ. It's more than ideas and understanding. It's intimate union. He's the food. He's the drink. We're to know Him in that way. We're to love Him. When we're with Him, we're to tell Him we love Him. We're to pour our love out upon Him from our heart. We're to give Him our heart affection. Our hearts are to bow and worship Him and be thankful all over again and weep all over again like the day we were converted if we wept at all. It is a love experience. Communion with Christ is a romantic getaway for life. 
It is a lifelong love relationship that we have to cultivate, we have to maintain, we have to pursue, we have to go after it. We have to, like marriage, you know, a guy says, sure, I love my wife. I told her the day I married her and I told her 20 years ago at our last anniversary. That doesn't cut it. Maintaining love is maintaining love. Maintaining a relationship is maintaining love. We are to eat and drink deeply of our bridegroom's love for us. Because there is so much soul refreshing and spiritual delight and comforts to be had in His presence. He wants you to partake of Him. He desires your love and intimacy. He rejoices over your love for Him. He rejoices in His love for you. And He is our food. In fact, He's, he's everything... He's all there is to eat and drink is Christ. So tonight, at this season of life, sometimes I'm there. If you're going through the motions, but your heart isn't warm, the Bible isn't fresh, your prayer life's weak, you're struggling with sin and there's no devotional feasting what are you going to do? your beloved's in the garden saying hey I'm here come on just as you are come and begin to feast why does Christ invite in such a way? why was he always calling out graciously inviting all? Why are the invitation in the New Testament of whoever's weary and heavy laden, come to me for it? Why are these invitations always there? Because in our weakness and our unbelief, we need it to hear a continual call. We need to be provoked. We need to be stirred. We need to be reminded. Because even years after partaking His love for the first time, many of His lovers, believers, still draw back and are hesitant to enter the garden. Hesitant to enter the bedchamber to partake of phenomenal love. You see, there's a mutual pursuit, a mutual exchange of intimate love. His pursuit in this book, he says things like this, Rise up, my fair one, and come away. Every time we read that in the Bible, Christ is saying that to us. He longs for it from her. He says, Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. He says, He says in chapter 4, You have ravished my heart. How fair is your love. Now do you believe that you as a Christian have ravished Christ's heart? That His heart is radically, passionately in love with you? Or is it cold and calculated? Is it doctrine? 
Is it theology? He is in hot pursuit of her and her love. And she responds. Chapter 1. Tell me, O you whom I love, where you feed your flock. That's interesting. Lord, I want to be where you're at work. I want to be where you're speaking and working. I want to be among the flock. I don't want to be isolated. I don't want to be on the fringe. I want to be right there. Lord, tell me where you feed your flock. That's where I want to be. And she says, Behold, you are handsome, my beloved, and pleasant. I sat down in his shade. You know, if you're sitting in somebody's shadow, you've got to be pretty close to them. I sat down in his shade with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. My beloved is mine, and I'm his. And then she says, I will now seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, and when I found him, I held him, and I would not let go. He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved and my friend, she says. Do you see Christ as your Redeemer and your Savior and your King? But do you also see Him as your beloved lover and your friend? The friend of all friends. It's got your back more than anybody ever could. He says to her then, Come my love, come eat and drink of my love. And she responds, I am my beloved's and His desires toward me. Do you believe tonight that His desires toward you? Yes, come, she says, and I will give you my love. Intimate, loving pursuit and exchange. You know, Isaiah echoes Solomon's in this, and he prophesies about our living food and water. Remember where Isaiah said, Behold, everyone who thirsts, let them come to the water. Come buy and eat. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and price. And then he says, Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Let your soul delight in abundance. If we had eyes to see, if we have a tender heart when we come into his presence, we can delight in abundance. The Bible is right there full of abundance. And Jesus says it twice in Revelation, the last two invitations in the Bible. He says, I'm standing at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll come into him and I'll sup, I'll commune, I'll feast with him and they with me. And then in Revelation 22, the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him who hears say come. Let him who thirsts come. And let the one who desires drink of the water of life. There's a wonderful song I love by Horatius Bonner. Part of it says this, I I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank from that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched. My soul revived. 
and now I live in Him. This love relationship, this experiencing the love of Christ, it is there for the taking. It's there for the taking. He is there for the taking. He's available to be experienced daily. That's why Rutherford's song is so wonderful. Oh Christ, He's the fountain. Oh Christ, He is the fountain. The deep, sweet well of love. The streams on earth I've tasted. More drink, deep I'll drink above. Are you even tasting the streams on earth? There is much abundant soul refreshing to be had. Christ is never satisfied alone in His own feast until you feast with Him and upon Him. And wherever He's present, He will feast with those who will take time to draw near. Brothers and sisters, let's return to the first love. Learn to view the Lord Jesus Christ uniquely, primarily as the great lover of our souls who wants to pour His love out in our hearts over and over again. And He wants us to experience that love. And He says, come eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply, my friends. Let's pray. And then I want us to sing number 15 in redemption. So let's pray and ask the Lord just to seal the reality of this in our hearts. Father, my words have been weak and feeble, and yet they are true. And they are right. And they are needed. So Father, make this real to us. Make Christ more precious to us. Cause us to ever be coming and believing on You and partaking of You, drawing near in knowing You in intimacy and in loving fellowship. Give us this more. Lord Jesus, we thank You that You've loved us with an everlasting love. We thank You that having loved the disciples and us, You you love to the end. That the love of Christ passes knowledge. But we can know it. So Lord, cause us to know Your love more and more. That our souls would be satisfied. Lord, we bless Your name. In Christ's name, Amen. Let's sing that. I think it's 15 in the Redemption Hymnal.